0: I uh, struggled a little bit this morning with, uh, with what to preach, and uh, <clears throat> I'm going to use uh, a text that I've preached from before, and just a few thoughts perhaps, uh, nothing, uh, nothing new to us. There are times that uh, we need to be reminded of some things from Scripture. And uh, I don't know about y'all, I'll I'll just be real frank with you and share just a personal uh, testimony this morning of this, but there are times over my life, and I was was born and raised in a pastor's home, many of you know that, and we went to church from the time I was, nine months before I was born, actually, I was in my mom's womb, and we uh, came to church even during that time, and... um, I will tell you this, over the years, I've found, at least in my life, and I think most people can relate to this, that there are times that we, uh, we kind of we know how to, how to be a Christian. We, we know how to go to church. Uh, we know we go because we're supposed to go. And uh, we carry our Bible because we know we're supposed to carry our Bible. And uh, I've been in the, in the situation, and I battle, uh, it's, folk, and I'll tell you, it's a lifelong battle. I, I, don't know, I don't know about everybody else, but I know there are struggles in my life. I'm 47 years old, almost 48 years old now. And I'll tell you, after 48 years of battling it, it still is a battle. And that is to keep the, the fervency of the Christian life in my heart. The idea that God has saved me is a miracle above all miracles. We sang victory in Jesus, and one of the verses talks about He made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. He even raised Lazarus from the dead. Boy, talk about a miracle. But can I tell you this morning, the greatest miracle God ever did was save me. For you see, a lame man... Could still go to heaven, but a lost man cannot. Those who have not trusted Christ as their Savior cannot. And the greatest miracle that God ever performs, and He does it on a daily basis. I'm thankful He hadn't given up yet. Has He? Is to save a man's soul. And uh, I, I, I've been in camp meetings. I, I grew up in the South, so. We had camp meetings, and let me tell you, some of them get pretty uh, pretty crazy. Some of you have been there. Amen, Brother Ray? You see them waving the white hankies and shouting and climbing up on the pews and running around the auditorium and praising the Lord in the middle of a service. And you see the altars flooded and men and women weeping, God doing a work in their hearts and their lives. But I'll tell you, I, in all those years of going to camp meetings, you have... The shouters and you have the criers. And I, I never got the shouter part. I got the crying part. I tell somebody the other day, I said some people quit coming to our church because they think every time I get up to preach I start crying. Folks, have you ever stopped to think about what God did for me? And what He did for you? I mean, its you either got to shout or you got to cry or you'll explode. Amen. You got to do something. Because it was an absolute miracle. The fact that he sent his son to die in my place, I don't understand it. And if I'm not careful in my Christian life, I get to where being a Christian is just kind of the the norm. I get to where I just, uh, I, I hate to use this phrase, but there's times that you feel like you just go through the motions, don't you? Uh, it's not special to you anymore you lose and I'm reminded so often of the psalmist when he said restore unto me the joy of thy salvation if David the man after God's own heart got to a place where he needed to have the joy of the salvation that God gave him if he needed that restored in his life then the the chances are that you and I can get to that same place. We get to the place where, to be honest with you, we, we don't think it's all that big of a deal that God saved us. You say, Brother Greg, I would never think that. Maybe not consciously, but in our actions in the way we go about living our life, do we ever get to the point where the Christian life just kind of seems to be plodding along? Haggai is writing to the nation of Israel in chapter number 1. I want to begin reading in verse number 3. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little ye eat, but ye have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. He clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Father, we come to you this morning. I pray that you'll bless the time. And Lord, may it not just be another service. Lord, we've, we, we go through enough of that in this world. I pray that your Holy Spirit will do something in our hearts. Lord, do something. I pray that you'd speak to men, and Lord, that you would draw our hearts closer to you. As we leave here today, Lord, may we leave here more on fire for you, and more excited about serving you, and more in love with you than our hearts and our souls have ever been. Help us to consider our ways, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We find that here in Haggai, the nation of Israel had been so excited. In fact, uh, the background of coming up to the book of Haggai is uh, really when the nation of Israel had been uh, laying in ruins in the city of Jerusalem and the walls were broken down and the temple had been destroyed and uh, we remember the story of Nehemiah in the Old Testament who goes to Artaxerxes and he gets letters from the king to go back and build the walls of Jerusalem and all the opposition that he faced and another prophet by the name of Ezra comes on the scene during this time and While Nehemiah is restoring physically the city of Jerusalem and bringing physical restoration to the nation of Israel, Ezra is there on the scene as the prophet of God and preaching and bringing spiritual restoration to the people. And the Bible says that when Ezra got up to preach, that the people all stood and they stood there listening. And then when he got done preaching, they repented. And a great revival broke out in the nation of Israel. And I don't know what took place between that time and Haggai that caused this to take take place, but once the foundation of the temple was uh, restored, all work on the temple stopped. And for a number of years, the children of Israel went about restoring their own homes and restoring their crops and their fields. And the house of God, the temple where God's presence was, was lying in waste. God comes to Haggai, and He brings Haggai on the scene, and He tells the folks, He said, uh, you know, you all had some revival going on, and He said there, were, uh, there certainly was excitement about what God was doing, and the temple was being built, and, and God's presence was there, and there was a great spirit of revival happening. But then something happened that caused the hearts of the people to do what I think many times I battle with, and what I think a lot of Christians battle with. And that is, it just kind of got to be second nature. It just kind of got to be the norm, didn't it? And God comes through Haggai the prophet in two different times. We find him make the statement, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Consider your ways. I'm going to ask you this morning, and we're going to look at some things here from God's Word that I hope will be a help to us. But could we this morning consider our ways? I would call this, if we were to give the message a title, and I'm not one really for giving a lot of messages titles, but if I were to give it a title, I would say this is the the Christian's maintenance book. We all know what it is to buy a new car or Uh, a new uh, product of some sort and it comes with an owner's manual and uh, inside that owner's manual it tells you all the reasons that they will uh, guarantee the product and for what reasons they will not guarantee the product and then they give you some safety instructions and things that'll just help you uh, to use the product best and operating instructions Sometimes there's some assembly involved, and men consider them to be manufacturer suggestions. Ladies consider them to be the law. And we put them together. But somewhere in that maintenance manual will be an area that deals with how to maintain it, whether it be a vehicle, uh, whether it be uh, a toaster oven or a microwave or a weed eater or lawn mowers, There's a a book that is put out by the ones that were the manufacturers and the creators of it that tell us how to maintain it. And this morning I want us to look at God's book that He gave because since He created us and He made us, He certainly is an authority when it comes to telling us how to maintain our lives. One of the key things that I believe ought to be done on a regular basis is, in a Christian's life especially, is a time where we stop and we consider our ways. Because the, the, the day and age that we live in becomes very hectic, doesn't it? Uh, we, we become very busy with things. And uh, one of the things that is a danger if we're not careful, especially in our lives when it comes to serving God or or living the Christian life, is we get so uh, busy doing things that we fail to have time to walk with God. Uh, we fail to have time to consider our ways. I want you to hold your place here for the, in the book of Haggai for just a moment. Turn with me back to Revelation, and we're going to look in uh, verse uh, chapter number three for a moment, Revelation chapter three. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to read towards the end of the chapter. We'll begin verse number thirteen. There are seven letters that are written here in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation to seven literal churches that were in existence at the time. I believe also they symbolize a progression or, if you will, a digression of. Uh, the spirituality of the church throughout the history of the church. And we get to the last church, the church at Laodicea, in verse number 13. And I believe that it describes very clearly what is happening, generally speaking, in our world today. I understand and I know that there are exceptions. I know there are churches around that are red hot and on fire for God and certainly meet some of the uh, descriptions of some of these other churches that are mentioned in Verses, uh, chapters 1 and 2 and and the first part of chapter 3. But I believe, generally speaking, the day and age that we live, our church as a whole, not Keith and Heights Baptist Church, but the, the, the local churches that we have here today in this world, generally fit into this mold. As we find in verse number 13, the Bible says, "...he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the Amen." the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. What's being said here? I believe you could take that last phrase that we read anoint my eyes with the eye salve that I may see, and I think we could word it the way that Haggai the prophet did. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. The church at Laodicea had the same problem that I battle so much in my own heart, and many times I feel that many Christians go through this. A feeling that they are not in need of anything, that they are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Where are the days of God's people falling on their faces before God and pleading with God and saying, God, I have need of You. Nowadays, we come to God and we give Him a wish list, but we don't really feel like we need God very much, do we? We live in a world that denies God so strongly that no matter what happens in their life, they say, I have no need of God. It's rubbed off on a lot of Christians over the years. Christians who can say, I can take care of this. I can deal with it on my own. The Bible is quite clear that Jesus said, without me, ye can do Nothing. There's no doubt in our hearts and in our minds that when it comes to the things of the Lord and the things of Christ, that if we keep God out of the picture, then our life is at best empty and hollow and powerless. And then we live in a world and we gripe and we complain and we wonder, why does God not do something? To bring the hearts of men and women back to Him again. Why are there not revivals going on all over the United States of America? Why are not the church buildings being filled to capacity and, and people pouring into the pews to hear the preaching of God's Word? Why are we not seeing these things? And Haggai says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. You've sown much, and you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, and you're not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. You ever get to a point in your life that describes you? I've been there. I've been there that it didn't seem no matter how much I worked and labored and tried to do something for the Lord, it was empty and it was vain. How I said, consider your ways. I believe we are in desperate need of God's people to get in the habit on a regular basis of stopping and saying, I need to consider my ways. I need to consider my ways. Am I too busy for God? Am I at the point where where I just have not done enough? Am I at the point where I've not walked with God enough? Am I not making enough time for Him? When was the last time we tried to listen to God? We do a lot of talking, don't we, to God? We ought to. When was... The last time we spent some time, and if someone were to ask you what you were doing, you said, I'm, I'm just listening for God right now. He reveals Himself to us through His Word. It was the last time we read the Scriptures saying, Lord, speak to me, do something in my heart through the reading of Your Word. He speaks to us in a still, small voice that that, that, that little bit of conviction in our hearts and in our minds as we meditate and think on the things of the Lord. The little nudges that He gives along the way, the direction that He lays out before us. When was the last time we listened to God? The Bible says, consider your ways. Can I tell you this this morning? If you're here this morning if you never trusted Christ as your Savior, can I urge you with all of my heart to consider your ways. I know a lot of folks who are lost and on their way to hell, and they don't ever give any thought about it. They, they go through life as if there's no problem with their life. And, boy, life is good. I've got a good job. I've got a good family. I've got a good home. I've got a good vehicle. I've got money in the bank and a retirement program going on. Brother Greg, I don't have any need of anything. Life is good. You have need of one thing. have need of God. The book of John in chapter number 3 is very clear that when Jesus Christ came to this earth, He didn't come here to condemn us. We were already condemned. I know a lot of people in the world today that say, well, I don't think I'm lost. I don't think I'm going to hell. I don't think a loving God would send anybody there. And you're absolutely right. We're already headed there of our own choice. He came to save us from it. He came to bring us life. He came to offer a free gift of eternal life. And He doesn't even make it hard for us. And yet, it's amazing to see how many people in the world today hate God and they hate His gift. And all He ever tried to do was love us. And He comes along and He says, I want to give you life. You're already condemned. You were born into sin. You don't do anything. Hell is the destination. That's not the judgment of a holy God. That's a choice of a sinful man. God says, I have sent my son into the world. Not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved you're here this morning and you're not saved, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You've never realized that He was not a judging God, He was a loving God. You never realized the fact that He didn't come to condemn you and send you to hell, He came to save you from hell. Can I tell you this morning, you need to consider your ways. If you're a Christian here this morning, you say, Brother Greg, I know that I'm saved, I know I'm on my way to heaven. Can I urge you this morning... There comes times in our lives where even as Christians we need to consider our ways, do we not? He say, Brother Greg, I know I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. And we believe that the Bible teaches very clearly in the book of Galatians and in the book of Hebrews that when Christ came, He did away with the old uh, covenant and He established the new covenant that was not based on works It's not something that was required of man that he had to work to earn his way to heaven or to keep himself saved. But the Bible says very clearly in the book of Hebrews that Christ is the surety of the new covenant. He's the one who is the guarantor. He's the, the, if you will, the cosigner to the the debt that had to be paid for our sin since you and I could never pay for our sin. He came along and said, I'll do it. Not only does He save us, but He keeps us saved. And once we're saved and on our way to heaven, if we're not careful as God's people, we will believe in this idea of eternal security, which is what we ought to because the Bible teaches it. But we will then use it as a cause to go about our own life and live the rest of our life the way that we want to live it. And we lose the concept of consecrating our will to an almighty God. The psalmist said, Oh, that my ways were thy ways. That I would take the things I want to do with my life and my, my will, and I would make it line up with what God's will is for my life. I want what God wants for me. And there's a lot of times, as God's people, that we do things that we want to do, and here's the sad fact of the matter. There are a lot of times that we blame or give credit to the things that we want to do by saying, I believe it to be the will of God. And the truth of the matter is we've not sought for His will at all on it. Hey guy says, consider your ways. We're saved. We're on our way to heaven. We know that we're eternally secure, but we're out here living our life the way that we want to live our life, and our will is our will. And we're going to do what we want to do. Sin is not a big issue. We just kind of ease over those things. I was talking with somebody the other day. I said one of the biggest sins that is out there is the sin that other people have. It's never mine, right? It's the way we think of it. But can I tell you this? We need to start seeing sin the way God sees it. We have, sin has lost its sinfulness, has it not? The Bible says that we are to abhor that which is evil. We're to cleave to that which is good. The things that are evil we ought to detest and we ought to hate, and it ought to be the sin that we hate, not the sinner, but we ought to hate the sin. And when it comes to sin in our lives, it ought not be something that's our, our little pet that we have over here. and We say, oh, mine's just a little sin. But, boy, let me tell you, brother so-and-so, boy, he's got some bad sin in his life. No, no. That little sin in our life ought to be just as detestable to us and just as hated by us. Why? Because it sent my Savior to a cross. Because in the eyes of God, it is wicked and it is filthy. And even though I may be a child of His, it comes between me and Him and our relationship is severed. My walk with Him is not what it can be. Having His power rest upon my life so that I can be a testimony and an influence and a servant and a vessel in His hand to be used as He sees fit. All of that is taken away. Why? Because we've not consecrated our will. We've not consecrated our will. Haggai says, consider your ways. Are you saved this morning? You say, Brother Greg, I know that I'm saved. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Then I ask you this, are there times and periods in our life that we stop and we pause and we ponder, we listen to God, I wonder this morning how often we do that. I'll tell you, there are times I come into church and I'm tired, just like anybody else. Sometimes it's been a long week. There's burdens that weigh heavy on your heart. Sometimes there's physical things that have happened that week that have just exhausted you physically. There's times emotionally you're exhausted. There's times that there's anger and there's things and problems going on that you can't quite understand and you come into the building on Sunday morning because you know that's what you're supposed to do. And if we're not careful, we'll sit in the preaching time and all that will go through our mind the whole time we're sitting there are all these things that are mulling in our heads and our hearts. We get to the point where we're going through the motions, aren't we? I'm thankful that the Bible tells us that we can cast all of our care upon Him for He cares for us. I can take all those burdens and all the stress and I can just cast it on Him. And then I can walk through the doors and I can greet my brothers and sisters with joy in my heart. And I can open up the hymn book and I can sing victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me. And bought me with his redeeming blood. And boy, it starts to stir something inside of me. But we got to consider our ways. Are we just going through the motions? <laughs> Over the years in leading music, I've had people that come say, Boy, we sing the same ten songs. Can we sing you something other than those ten songs? Well, when those ten songs start becoming effective in our hearts and our lives, then we can move on to others. We sing more than ten, but I I want you to understand, there are times that we miss the joy of the Christian life because we haven't considered our ways. We just are going through the process. We're where the nation of Israel was. We're where the church of Laodicea was. I have need of nothing. I've got everything I need. I don't need to be revived. I don't need God to stir my heart. I don't need to walk in and have the Word of God do anything to me. I just want to come, spend my time here, go home so people know I was a good Christian this week and live my life the way I want to live it. He said, how do you know that happens? Because I've been there. It's a battle, isn't it? It happens to some degree in every person's life. Otherwise, there would be no reason for God to speak so highly about not walking in the flesh, but walking in the Spirit. There would be no need for God to instruct us that we are to come out from among them and be separate. There'd be no need for God to say, Awake thou that sleepest. There'd be no need for God to put in Scripture, See then that you walk circumspectly. There'd be no need for God to write in the book of Haggai twice, Consider your ways. If He did not know that it would be a battle in our lives. And so I ask you this morning, can we get to a place where we can commit to God and say, Lord, I want to consider my ways? There may be some sin that I need to confess. I need to maybe see sin the way that you see it. It needs to grip my heart. I need to abhor that which is evil. and Maybe I need to get a renewed view of that in my life. Perhaps it's just a simple matter of our will. and Maybe we need to just come to God and say, Lord, my will has been very strong. I need to give it over to you. Last Wednesday night, or I believe it was last Wednesday or last Sunday night, we dealt with Romans chapter number 12. Verse number 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Give it to God. Give it to God. Have you considered your ways lately? If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Greg, I don't know if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I've been in and out of church. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a school that taught me some things. But to be honest, I don't know if I died right now that I'd go to heaven. I don't remember a time or a place that I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. I don't ever remember a time where I realized I was a sinner and in need of a Savior. And I need to get that settled today. Can I ask you to consider your ways today? Don't leave your loss. Please don't do that. Life is too short. We don't have the guarantee of another day. Don't put it off. If You're here this morning. You say, Brother Greg, I know that I'm saved. And can I ask you this? When was the last time we considered our ways? When was the last time we just came before God and said, Lord, search me. Try me. And see if there be any wicked way in me. By the way, I'll promise you this. If we come to God and ask Him to show the things that are wrong, He'll do it. He'll help us along the way. He'll make sure that we understand and know. Then we have a choice. Are we going to forsake it or are we going to continue in it? Are we going to get to the point where we just go through the motions? Somebody somebody said one time, we live in a day where people are playing church. You remember doing that as a kid? Playing different things. I remember playing, I was a fireman. I remember playing as a policeman, cops and robbers, make-believe. It's all great fun, wasn't it? When I was a little kid, I told you I grew up in a pastor's home. I have an older sister. She's getting ready to turn 50 this year. She's going to be with us next Sunday morning. In the service. And I want you all to give her the hardest time you can about turning 50. But I'll never forget as a little kid. She would bully me around. She was two years older than me. Well, one year and almost eight days shy of being two years older than me. And she would make me sit in the corner of a room on a little bitty stool. While she got up with her pulpit and preached for hours And I mean, I was just two or three years old. And I remember that. I can clearly see her up there doing that. I just think, man, this is terrible. And I tried to get up and she'd make me sit back down, you know, the big bully sister. But, you know, we laugh at that little illustration, but the truth is we were playing church, weren't we? She had the pulpit. I was the one sitting in the pew. We were playing church. And we laugh at a cute little illustration of that and realize that something like that happened maybe when we were kids. But the sad fact of the matter is a lot of them continue to do that today, don't they? They play church. Where's the fervency? Where's the realness of the Christian life? We have time that we spend and say, Lord, I need you to... Stir again in my heart. Restore unto me again the joy of thy salvation. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads down, eyes closed. Father, we're thankful for your word. There are times that I wish that we could do a far better job getting the burden of the message across. But Lord, having done all that I know how to do, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do what I cannot. And that is to take this truth and embed it and engrave it in our hearts and in our minds. I pray that your Holy Spirit will bring conviction where needed. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that does not know that they're saved, Lord, please bring conviction to their heart and help them to see that need and to get that matter settled. Father, for others that are here this morning that maybe are saved, Perhaps they go through some of the same battles that I deal with. Perhaps there comes a time where we just need to set aside and say, I'm just going to listen. Let God speak to me. I'm just going to allow Him to show me some things. I'm going to stop and I'm going to consider my ways. Father, bless the invitation. Use it as you would see fit that your Holy Spirit will do. What cannot be done outwardly in the hearts of men. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed, we have just a hymn of invitation or two, a verse or two, and if God has spoken to your heart, we